It is good to be back. You know, it's always good to get some time away, and then it's always good to come home. Uh, if you haven't been here, Steve and I have been away for the last two Sundays. The first weekend, we were celebrating with our daughter, Shelby Hart, as she uh, graduated from seminary at Duke with her Master of Divinity, and now she looks forward to working in a United Methodist Church on staff as the Director of Discipleship. Um, we are, as you would imagine, incredibly proud of who she is and her accomplishments and of her continuing to listen to God's direction in her life. I know parents, you all, parents of these grads feel the same way, that you are so proud of your kids and their accomplishments and look forward to the ways that they will continue to listen to God's direction in their life. Um, as your church family grads, we want you to know that we are proud of you as well, that we love you, and that we are always going to be your church family. I'm also grateful to Claire and Micah and the rest of the staff team who led us in worship for the last two weeks. Boy, did they offer a powerful word each week. Amen? Yes. So. Great worship on Sundays, and then we also had a great time this past Wednesday as we were celebrating Ward's ministry and his retirement. It was a wonderful time of some good-natured roasting and uh, some sincere appreciation and love. You know, Trinity, we are incredibly blessed with a, an awesome staff team, some of them showing up in and from unexpected places. Wednesday night, everybody kept talking about this tall, skinny, white guy with an incredibly southern drawl who has been living love and making an impact in East Gainesville through Trinity for more than 10 years. What an amazing gift. And then there's Claire, who on Wednesday night referred to herself as the Frodo along with Ward's Gandalf, or the Sancho Panza, Panza along with Ward's Don Quixote. What an unexpected blessing that she showed up to be a part of our staff team about a year and a half ago, all the way from Louisiana. And then Micah. He, uh, we'd been waiting for the right person for that position of director of adult ministries for over a year. And then all of a sudden, God gifts us in this unexpected way with Micah, a young black man from where else? West Virginia, um, who abandoned, yeah, Micah's back in the back. Thank you, Micah. <laughs> Um, who abandoned his dream of law school and moved with God's call to go to seminary and then came to be a part of this staff team. And I am grateful to Micah and to Claire for offering their gifts. And Micah, I want, to know that, I want you to know that I'll, I'll be on your left. I've never even seen an Avengers movie, but I'll be on your left, okay? Um, and... This morning, we continue to look at the ways that God, God's love redeems, and, and this morning, per particularly in unexpected ways. Again, we'll be turning to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, or, or really it should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And as you listen this morning, grads, 
I invite you to hear these as words of encouragement and challenge and comfort as you are finishing your high school chapter and moving on into the next chapter, whatever that may be. So let's listen together to these words from Acts chapter 16, another story of Paul on his missionary journeys. One day, and this is Paul uh, and, and, and his companions writing, one day when we were on our way to a place for, to the way, one day when we were on our way to the place for prayer, we met a slave woman. She had a spirit that enabled her to predict the future. And she'd made a lot of money for her owners through fortune telling. She began following Paul and us, shouting, These people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. She did this for many days. This annoyed Paul so much that he finally turned and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. It left her at that moment. Her owners realized that their hope for making money was gone. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the officials in the city center. And when her owners approached the legal authorities, they said, these people are causing an uproar in our city. They are Jews who promote customs that we Romans can't accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attacks against Paul and Silas, so the authorities ordered that they be stripped of their clothes and beaten with a rod. When Paul and Silas had been severely beaten, the authorities threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to secure them with great care. When he received these instructions, he threw them into the innermost cell and secured their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas, what else would you do when you've been thrown in prison, right? They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. All at once, there was such a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundation. The doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer awoke and saw the open doors of the prison, he thought the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted loudly, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for some lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He led them outside and asked, honorable masters, what must I do to be rescued? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your entire household. They spoke the Lord's word to him and everyone else in his house. Right then in the middle of the night, the jailer welcomed them and washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his home and gave them a meal. He was overjoyed because he and everyone in his household had come to believe in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me invite you to bow your heads and pray for me this morning and sharing this message with you, all of you, and, and you pray for me in offering this message. Thank you.
Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So in the scripture reading for this morning, as Paul continues his travels, he definitely doesn't know what he's going to encounter. He doesn't even know where his path will take him by the end of the day much less the end of a new year, grads. Remember last week, Micah talked about Paul being in Greece, and that was actually the first time that he took the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Europe. And he came to this town of Philippi, and he saw on the banks of the, of the river women gathered, and they were praying together. And one of the women, Lydia, experienced salvation, and she and her whole household were saved. More than likely, this takes place just a few days after that. Maybe he's been um, going through the town a little bit or perhaps the countryside. It's just a few days. And Paul decides that he's going to go back there and share the good news again on that riverbank. He goes where he was just a few days before. But on his way, a slave girl begins following him and shouting and, as the scripture says, annoying him. Now, the Bible tells us that she was possessed by the spirit, by a spirit, and was a fortune teller. Actually, she'd been following Paul for several days and shouting at him, and it's really beginning to get on his nerves. And it isn't that she's not speaking the truth. She is. She says he's the servant of the Most High God who proclaims the way of salvation. That is the truth. But she's still making a ruckus and distracting him from where he thinks he is supposed to be and what he thinks he is supposed to be doing. So almost out of frustration, he casts out this spirit. I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the spirit comes out and she is healed. The problem is that she was a slave. She was being trafficked and her trafficked for her gift of fortune-telling. And that fortune-telling at conferences and, and conventions brought her traffickers a whole lot of money. And so now Paul is meddling with their profit. And it's a real problem for them. So they get very upset, and they, they haul him in, and they ask him to be, to be judged, and he's accused of disturbing the peace and, and of, um, of working against the customary laws but we know that they're really just upset that, they ha that he, in healing her, has affected their bottom line. The punishment is severe to say the least. Paul and Silas were messing with the system, and so they got beaten and flogged. And then they're thrown into prison, and they are shackled to the floor of a dark, dank dungeon. Now... That was definitely not the day that Paul had planned. He was planning to be praying on the riverbank and he was just going about his business and he was trying to do good. He was trying to share the good news about God's redeeming love and then all of a sudden his day takes a sharp turn. He can hardly believe it. In a matter of hours, he and Silas have been stripped and beaten, bloodied and bruised and thrown into prison. You know, have you ever been walking along your own path, your own life journey, minding your own business, and everything's going along pretty well, then all of a sudden everything changes? 
Your life is not like it was just days or moments before. And almost immediately, everything is dark and you feel bloodied and beaten. You can't find your way. And yet in the darkness, what do we hear Paul and Silas doing? I, I, I think I'd be bemoaning life down in that dungeon. But we hear Paul and Silas praying and singing. They had to be frightened. They had to be in great pain. They had to be worried about the future. But we hear their prayers and singing. Somehow through it all, they continue to trust in Jesus. They continue to trust that God will save them. And then again, all of the sudden, the building begins to shake. The foundations are moving. It's an earthquake. And as the foundation shakes, their chains are broken and the prison doors are opened. What a witness. God has set them free. But the interesting thing is that they do not leave. Maybe they knew what would happen to the jailer if they did. They experience freedom and release, and yet they stay right there in those same circumstances. The jailer who had been taking watch over them wakes up and, and realizes or thinks that they must have escaped. And he knows he's going to be accused of wrongdoing, or at the very least negligent, and he is distraught. And as a result, he takes out his sword and is about to kill himself when Paul and Silas call out to him and let him know that they are still there. The jailer yells, what must I do to be rescued, to be saved? They tell him that he must trust in Jesus and he and his household will be saved. He does and he is. And he reaches out to Paul and Silas. He takes them to his home and, and cares for their wounds and invites them to share a meal with him and his household. And they all rejoice that he has been saved. Now for all of us, but especially for you all who are graduating, um, there, there are some very important lessons or reminders for us in this story. The first one is pay attention. As you're going along your path, your life's journey, your day, pay attention. Because God shows up at unexpected times and sometimes even as an interruption. And that interruption often, when you thought it was an interruption to the main event, it becomes the main event. Paul and Silas were heading to the place where Lydia had been just a few days before, and that visit had turned out so well that they wanted to go back again. And on their way, they were minding their own business en route to the river when this young girl began annoying them, harassing them. She cries out until Paul gets fed up and heals her, perhaps just to shut her up, actually. But that's what it says. He healed her because she was annoying him. And it lands them in prison. The interruption turned out to be the main event. They were beaten and flogged and thrown in prison. But pay attention because those interruptions may just be how God is choosing to work in your life. 
even when those interruptions may be more like distractions or even seem like annoyances. The second thing, the second reminder for us is that sometimes the unexpected, even catastrophic circumstances become an opening for God's redeeming love. These guys were beaten and flogged and and shackled to the dungeon floor and yet God was still able to work through that. You grads have been through a lot. In these past two years, we have been going through a pandemic like we've not experienced ever in our lifetimes. And you guys have gone through that, your junior and senior years in high school. And then just before your graduating spring of your senior year, we, Russia enters Ukraine and there's a war in Ukraine. So much that you guys have gone through And yet what we learn from Paul and Silas is that even in the most difficult of circumstances, that can provide a way for God's redeeming love to shine through and perhaps even shine through you. The third reminder for us is that when you're lost or you're in a difficult situation, all you have to do is remember two words, just two words, help me. Call out to God and say, help me. Without a doubt, you will experience times in your life in these next couple of years, times where where you are feeling um, depressed or anxious, where you're experiencing heartbreak or, or loss, where you are stressed. And yet all you need to do is to call out to God to help you. And remember that calling out doesn't necessarily mean that the circumstances will change. But what it does mean is that you will know that God is with you every step of the way. God still got you. God's redeeming love will not let you go. And then finally, the last thing is that we remember that God's redeeming love is not a solitary experience. Once the jailer was saved, then he and his whole family were baptized. And he invited Paul and Silas to his house, and they all shared a meal together. In the next chapter, find people. Find people who will be your people, who will be your family, who will love and support you as you walk along this journey of faith and life. People who will stick with you even in the most difficult of circumstances and remind you of God's redeeming love. And remember, grads, we are your people too. We are your church family and will always be your church family and will be here Remember that we've got your back, we've got your left. This Trinity family is your family of faith. So, God's love redeems, even in the most unexpected of times, even in those times when it seems like it's an interruption or an annoyance or a disturbance. And God's love redeems even in the most unexpected of circumstances, even in the darkest and most difficult times in our lives. And God's love redeems through and in even the most unexpected of people.
even the jailer, even the young girl who was being trafficked. So Trinity, friends, grads, remember those two words, help me, help me. God help me, God save me. And then no matter where you've been or what you've done, God's love will redeem and set you free. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for this wonderful day and for the blessing of being able to celebrate with these high school seniors as they graduate. We thank you for the ways that you have been active and in their lives and loving them from before they were even born. And we give you thanks that you continue with us, that your love continues to redeem us no matter where we've been or what we have done. So, oh God, help us today and every day to remember to cry out, help me, save me, Lord Jesus. Because we know that in all things, you work for good so that nothing can separate us for your, from your love. Oh God, speak to each of us in our hearts now that we might offer them to you, that we might receive your love and then go out into the world and let that love shine through each of us as we witness to your redeeming love. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.